So the poses and, you know, the locations and, and everything you do, it's it comes from me. It comes from how I feel and how I want to present the image. And I think when it's yourself doing it, it's so much easier to put that that feeling and that pose together. Whereas if you've got a model, if that model isn't engaged with how you This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today we're going to England. We're going over to Warwickshire. We're going to talk with Claire Ackford. Claire is relatively new. She says she's only been taking up photography for 10 years or so, but has already won a fellowship from the Royal Photographic Society. She's won the Bill Wisden Award. Her work has been in galleries all over the UK. Her work is thematically really rich and complex and immediately recognizable. I'm sure you've recognized her work on the Frames website. Claire, how are you doing today? What's life like over in the UK? I'm good, thank you. And it's a lovely sunny evening. Oh my, that sounds beautiful. Claire, this work is remarkable. This work is moody. It is provocative. It is the kind of work that you say, okay, here's, here's an artist. Here's somebody who's got an idea that she's expressing. But I doubt this idea sprung, you know, like Minerva, full grown out of somebody's forehead. Tell me about the early days. You say you took up photography as a hobby. And then digital and Photoshop and all that, you know, got you really uh, turned on by it. Tell me about the first time taking pictures. Uh, obviously, having children, you you always take pictures of your your kids as they're growing up, and mm-hmm. then they're more of like snapshots. You haven't got time to you know do all the the fancy stuff. Well, I didn't have anyway. So it wasn't until really the children were a lot older and obviously didn't take up your time so much. And when my children were really, really young, I used to take them to a baby clinic and it was held at a local library. Um, And they had a community centre there as well. And I always remember that I saw a poster at the community centre that there was a photography club that met at this place. And so at a certain point, I realised that, you know, I, I wanted to do this, you know, photography as a hobby. I think I'd probably always been a frustrated artist and would have liked to have painted, but no way was I going to have time to teach myself to paint. So I thought photography. So I just went up to this, yeah, remembered the poster, went up to this place, and the photography club was still there, and decided to join my local photography club. (laughs) And and was that a benefit, or was it simply a mutual admiration society? What What was that kind of membership like? As a female, it was quite scary, because... In those days, most of the photography clubs that you would, local ones that you'd go to, were predominantly male. Mm-hmm. Predominantly male and probably, you know, sort of average age of between probably 50 to 60. Careful uh, now. And, and I, was, <laughs> I was sort of 40-ish. So I sort of like entered this room and I think the first night I went, I was the only female there. And I thought to myself, mm, <laughs> is this the sort of place where I want to go every single week and just be a lonesome female amongst all these guys? 
but actually I, I stuck it out. They were a friendly group. And um, at the end of the day, I just wanted to learn and, and develop my photography. And so I carried on and that was really the start of yeah my digital photography adventure, really. Mm-hmm. Were you doing just basic sort of landscape and street work then, just whatever caught your eye? Or, or did you already have an idea that you were trying to get out? No, I, I had no ideas at that point. I think I was like, you know, like many people who pick up their first digital camera, they want to have a go at everything. They want to learn everything <laughs> and have a go at everything. I was starting to do, you know, sort of quite a lot of travel. So, you know, my initial, you know, sort of photography work was probably fairly travel-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I did the usual sort of Cambodia, Vietnam, India, small parts of Europe. And that was really sort of, you know, the, what got me, you know, fired up in, in photography. And But I always gravitated towards taking pictures with people in. Mm-hmm. Um, so wherever I traveled, it was, it was generally, you know, taking, you know, street type pictures with, you know, people as the main focus. Do you remember an early shot that you looked at and you said, oh my, this is good? No, I've, I've always been a sort of bit sort of like, um, I suppose, critical of my own pictures. And I would always sort of like look at other people's pictures and say, oh yeah, that's far better than the one I took. Um, <laughs> but yeah, generally it was street stuff in, yeah, these countries. I mean, you see lots of street photographs from India and you know Vietnam and Cambodia so I I don't think I really singled out any particular one but you know there are some in there which I still look at now and think oh yeah yeah I, I really like that photo there was one of a uh, guy who owned a barber shop and he actually stood and he posed for me and there's a nice reflection of him in the mirror and I went to Varanasi and obviously you know the Ganges where you see all the people gathering and there's a few there which you know I really like so, yeah, there'll always be a few favourites. But I think it's like anything, you, if you went back again now, you would probably take the photographs in a completely different way because you've learned so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think education is one of the great, um, or by education, I mean, you know, growing older experience is, is one of the great things about photography because we can go back to the same place every year, but we're a year older. So we, we have a different mindset, a different personality that we're bringing to it. And, you know, boy, street work, uh, especially in those places is so easily cliche. And yet when it happens, when it, when it happens right, it is brilliant. So that's, I, I envy you that experience. That is not However, the kind of work you're doing these days, you have two remarkable books out, one called Masquerade Volume One, the other called Masquerade Volume Two, and you've hit upon a really provocative series of self-portraits here. Why don't you describe just what any one of these images, what its feeling is and how you're sort of setting it up? Generally, I always look for locations yeah, whenever I'm traveling, I'm, I always sort of spot locations and or I have pictures in my mind of images that I sort of want to create. The first location I think I really sort of explored fully was Dungeness. Lots of people have probably been to Dungeness, um, but way back then there was so much more atmosphere and old buildings and run-down shacks there. And the place has a really eerie sort of feel to it, um, very isolated. The images, all of them, um, are sort of feelings that 
I have and I have about myself or situations as I've grown up or things that people probably don't really know about me. And the mask is behind what people see, and I think it's the same for a lot of people, there's so much more behind the face that people present to the world. Absolutely. Um, and I think also for me, when, when you have a mask on in a picture, you're looking beyond who the person is because you don't know who the person is. You can't recognise them because they've got a, fight, a mask on. Nobody knows mm-hmm. what I look like. Very few people yeah, who see my photos actually know what I look like. And I don't want them to recognise me as I present myself to the world. The mask and the person in the pictures is that other half of me. The other half of me that nobody knows. We, we should tell everybody that in, in these images, the mask is, is not just, you know, a little eye covering. It's a full face, plain white. Um, I, I would call it a Harlequin mask, but not painted or anything. And in all of the images, you are wearing a striped shirt and some dark pants, very much like the, the, the stereotypic image of, of a French mime. The, the pictures are all self-portraits. And you are at some distance in, in most of these. You know, these are these are not close-ups generally. Yeah, I think it's because I want to have the whole feeling of where I am. I want the atmosphere of the location and the vastness of it and the desolate nature to a lot of the locations that I've been to. So th- these are fairly lonely or isolated. I would have to really think, you know, which, which I think is, is more prominent, but, you know, l- isolated images is what, what is the relationship between the landscape and yourself in these images? What, what is it you're trying to get at? Loneliness. I think when, when you look at a lot of the images that there's nothing else there, it's me, solitude and, the weather plays a lot in when I go to photograph. On a bright sunny day, you'll never see me out with a camera doing self-portraits. It'll <laughs> always be overcast, you know, sort of, I mean, some other pictures are taken in like uh, minus 20 degrees in Canada. <laughs> oh, my. I think the the flatness of the image and the weather adds to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Let's let's spend a minute with volume one, if we could, just to talk about a couple of the images there. The cover image is you standing in a field. There's a fence uh, and you're standing with your back up against what I think is a World War Two sort of coastal pillbox. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's um, up on the um, Kent coast. So you have not only the personal loneliness here, but you have a historical nod to, you know, to the wars gone by. Was, was this all intentional when you chose that, that, that spot and that angle? I mean, were you making a, his, a historical statement as well as a personal one? I think it was more because obviously the buildings are obviously yeah, connected with war. I think it was more me there in a war against myself a war against the feelings that I have in my head, which I battle with, and it's how do you fight? How do you fight what's in your mind and, and win? Mm-hmm. 
it, it, it's a it's a compelling picture, especially for the cover. The very next one, just on, on the title page, is you standing in a forest with your back up against a cross. And it, it's, I'm going to assume it's a Catholic cross. And you are not facing the camera in this one. You know, you're facing off to the left. Tell me what's going on here. Yeah, I think this one was in Lithuania. And it was, there was just a hill that I walked up. And it was a fairly steep little, little hill. And at the top of this hill, there was this cross on the top. And so I think it was me just looking out over this land and these trees, which had obviously been there for goodness knows how long. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, somebody had been up there and put this memorial on the top of this hill with these trees. And I think it was just me looking out over the landscape and people are often at peace with trees and in forests. And I think at that particular moment, I just felt that tranquility being on the top of this hill, you know, looking out over, you know, this landscape. It's a it's a beautiful image. And it, it's funny that you say you're at peace because this picture is taken, you know, either in autumn or in winter. The, the trees are all bare. Yeah. And you have some wonderful juxtaposition between the trees and then the wood of the cross itself. You did you you do say somewhere out there, and I think this was in a discussion on the Frames Facebook page. Uh, somebody asked, "What does your picture mean?" And you say, "I leave it up to the viewer, you know, to come up with the meanings." But that's not an entirely. I mean, th- that's you know maybe eighty percent true. You're still doing a lot of art direction here. You're still doing a lot of you know. You come up with a meaning, but you know this is not an ad for Chevrolet. Um, you know, th- th- this is I-, I have a point I'm making here. How do you go about? thinking about loneliness in a way that is provocative for others and not just self-expression. Yeah, I always think that a viewer should, if they can look deep enough into an image, get an understanding of, you know, the meaning behind it. I I don't always think that, you know, somebody has to put, you know, a big stamping title on to say, oh, this this is what it means. I always want my viewers to look into the image and think to themselves, oh, you know, I wonder what this story is. I wonder what she's trying to say. And that's how I like to leave leave the image. For me, it's just expressing my feelings of how I might feel at a certain point in time or at a certain location. But you do have these these bits of text that, that are on the facing page of every image. They're not captions. You know, they, they are bits of, of lyrical, um, you know, evocative uh, you know, prose poetry. Tell me what's going on there. For me, the books are something that I want to leave behind for my family, my children who don't necessarily know how much I have hidden in my mind. I find it difficult to emotionally explain things to people a lot of the time. And so I would like to leave these for people to read when I'm not here anymore (laughs) and maybe understand some of how I felt and, you know, some of the battles that, you know, we all go through in our own mind. And, I mean, I think you look at photographic artists from the past, like Francesca Woodman is my 
sort of biggest influence um, Mm -hmm. in all of my photography. And she took photos and it's not often until people are no longer here that they discover all these photos and then they piece together the story of this person and, you know, what she was trying to say and everything else. And in a way that's, I guess, how I feel as well, that when a lot of people don't see my work, a lot of people don't know anything about it. And maybe at some point in time, they will pick up this work and think, ah, this is what it was all about. This is, this is why she was, how she was. And so I suppose I, that's why I do the images and their self portraits and they're about me and what people don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly they are all about identity and loneliness and, and uh, coming to peace and into terms with that. And the the text, you know, is all about masks and hiding and being Mm -hmm. entrapped and all this kind of stuff. It's a, you know, people often debate the relationship between um, captions and image or accompanying text and, and yeah. image. Sometimes it's a way to make up for something that's lacking in the other. Sometimes, and, and you know, in your case especially, they are wonderful compliments um, that you are not captioning your images. You're providing a kind of tone poem off on, off on the left-hand side for what's on the right. One of my favorite images, and we're still on volume one here for a second, we talked about just a little bit before we started recording, and that's the image of you sitting in a chair on the beach. Yeah. So to describe it for everyone, you're, you're sitting on a standard sort of, it looks like you want a plastic, yeah, you know, plastic um, <laughs> you know four, four-legged chair like you might find in a school cafeteria or something. And again, you, you've got the striped shirt, the dark pants the white mask, um, black hair. And there's, there's a brown beach, very, very small at the, be- at the bottom of the image, just the vaguest hint of a little bit of a curl to you know what is otherwise a, a smooth white sea or bay, uh, and then a light blue sky above you. You're centered uh, in the image. It's, it's really, just, just compositionally, and the way you've got the lines there, really compelling. But There's a bit of another story to this image, too. So walk me through this image from first idea until finished product. I've gone on the photo shoot and I've taken this chair with me because there was a couple of other pictures in this book that I did take with this chair. And very often I have a vision in my head of the image I want to take. And this one, I had got it all in my head, how I was going to take it. And so I took this chair with me to the beach and I knew that I wanted to do a long exposure so that it was obviously a completely calm, flat sea. The sky was flat. It was a really nice overcast day. So I put the chair sort of on the edge of the water and obviously knew that the water was lapping up and down. So obviously we were going to get that nice and still. And I obviously had to set the camera up with the remote control and everything else. And I knew that I was going to have to sit completely still on this chair in the water for 30 seconds. (laughs) But there was some fishermen on the beach and they saw me going down to the water with this chair. And I think they thought to myself, what on earth is this woman doing? And then I set it all up and I sat on this chair 
my feet got wet because the water was lapping up and down on my feet. And I was sitting there completely still and I could see a fisherman walking towards me. And I was thinking, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. please <laughs> walk in front of this camera before it's exposed, otherwise you're going to ruin my photo. But luckily he didn't. He just sort of like stood there watching me. And then obviously the exposure was done so I could obviously get up, get the chair out of the water and paddle out. And <laughs> he came up to me and said, oh, I was really worried. I thought you were going to be sitting there waiting for the tide to come in and you were just going to get engulfed by the sea. And I said, no, 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 no. It was, it was just a self-portrait and I'm fine. Um, and I did manage to, to get the image that I had in my head. And I think that's the most satisfying part sometimes when you have an image in your head, you take it and you come back home and you download it and you sort of think, yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly how I pictured it. And that's exactly the image I want. And that is still probably, you know, up there with one of my favorite images that, you know, I've taken whilst doing all of this. Uh, I I love this image. Is there a lot of post-production on this one? No, I, uh, none of my images have a lot of post-production. I always like to, you know, capture, you know, within the frame exactly what I want. I do very little cropping. Yeah, it's just a little bit of, you know, levels. And, so, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, tone images or, you know, take the saturation down or something like that. But apart from that, I like to capture everything in camera. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. That's, oh, I, I applaud you. That You know, going through this book, I, I'm just amazed at the range of settings when you look identical in nearly every single one. Um, you know, th- th- this is not a one-trick book at all. But you, you really do develop, even though you have a mask on, uh, you develop a strong uh, persona. Uh, in this book. And and I love the way that it ends in a field of flowers. And so, I mean, th- th- this is finally, I would argue, an optimistic book. Am I reading it wrong? I think all the books that I do, I always like to have the last image with a bit of hope. There's a bit of hope out there. There's, you know, there's still something to, to live for. There's still something to, you know, carry on and do the next book (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there's like another book in production at the moment when I started the project it was probably only gonna in my mind probably last maybe a year or so but it it continues and I think you you constantly develop ideas of images that you want to take and um, I wouldn't say they they run they run through themes but you sort of like start a new set of images and I think obviously the images that I've posted on frames are have moved on a lot from these two volumes that we're that we're looking at now 
and, and we're going to get to the frames images in just a second. I do want to spend a, just a moment on volume two of Masquerade mm -hmm. because, yep, there you are. There's the mask again. And there there are the provocative settings. But the costume has changed. And the woman in, in this book is much more expressive and much more complex and, and much more sort of engaged the setting than the isolation and the loneliness of volume one. Did you do volume two right after one couple of years, three decades? What? <laughs> no, they've always sort of like just continued on. And I think I find a particular item of clothing or something new. And then that sort of sets me off on a new set of photos. So I think in volume two, you see that we have some with a sort of black dress on. And then there's some which have, yeah, sort of a white, more sort of angelic looking uh, dress. I sort of like to obviously try and marry up the clothing to the location that the image is being uh, taken there's a lot of thought that goes into, you know, what I should be wearing to take the image, you know, at the various locations. Why the bag in the one shot instead of the mask? I think that was when maybe I feel that, don't even feel like a person, like I've been completely pushed away and... I think having the bag, it means that you have absolutely no identity whatsoever. Talk to me in, in the abstract a little bit about self-portraiture. Everybody and their cousin, you know, is involved with taking selfies with their iPhones yeah. these days. Yeah. And, and this obviously is nothing, you know, nothing compared to that. Tell me, wh what are the real challenges Technically, you got a remote trigger, great. But in terms of aesthetics, in terms of artistic vision, when you are the subject of every photo, how do you keep creative? How do you keep finding th that, that little nuance for the next image? I think it's just because you, I can picture myself in the images. So the poses and, you know, the locations and, and everything you do, it's... It comes from me. It comes from how I feel and how I want to present the image. And I think when it's yourself doing it, it's so much easier to put that that feeling and that pose together. Whereas if you've got a model, if that model isn't engaged with how you're feeling, then I think it's harder to get someone else to, to portray those emotions. But do, do you ever find yourself, you know, again, with the self-portraits, we're, we're going to move on in a second, um, thinking, oh, I've done that already. Or, you know, th this is, this is you know, the same mood I was in last week. Do, do you ever find a, a dearth of creativity or is it always, let's go out and see who I am today? Um, no, I think you do get sort of blocks where you want to try and sort of like create something, you know, a little bit different. But I think often often the locations help. I think sometimes when I when I come across a new location, I then get a little bit of inspiration as to oh you know I, this is how I want myself to look in this location. And it's obviously it's been really hard during COVID. But then 
I think I've been quite lucky um, during COVID in that I found, you know, just two or three locations that really inspired me to go out and take some photos. Lockdown was was hard for photographers. And I think people did lose inspiration as to, you know, what can I go and photograph them? But I think because it was me, just me doing self-portraits, I still managed to to, to keep that sort of um, urge to go out and take photos, although it, you know, it wasn't yeah that often. I did still find a couple of places to go, which there was nobody there, so <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it, okay. Now, I, I, I don't want to give anybody listening the impression that these two volumes represent the, the entirety of your work. There's a whole bunch of it out there. And fortunate for all of us, folks, if you go to the Frames Facebook page and click on Claire's name, there's a wonderful collection of images, recent images uh, right there as well. And some of them are with the mask and and with the kind of things that we've been talking about, but some of them are not as, as well. There's some great street work here. There's some wonderful, there's a portrait of a small boy. There's a, there's some dual double exposure things going on here. Claire, pick one, pick one of these recent ones that you think is, is emblematic of where you are right now. Yeah, I, do, I mean, I like to mix it up because I do, I do take other other photos and probably street photos is, you know, what I would lean towards, you know, other than the, the self-portraits. I found some, like, interesting photography in particularly Eastern European uh, locations like Poland because there's so much character on the streets and I quite like doing panning shots on, on you know street photography because I think it it focuses on on the person again I think a lot of my images are quite simple in what I want to include I always want you know the, the person to be the main you know subject of the photo and by panning I feel that you can you know sort of get that person right in the frame and, and give it a, a, a bit of feeling and a bit of motion. And it helps to obviously you know, diffuse the background. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a few on there of street photos of, of, of people um, in Poland. I think there's a couple, few on there actually um, that I took a long, long time ago, probably when I was fairly early on in my photography, but I wanted to do some sort of like portraiture work and it was uh, using my daughter. And I remember that it was in a house that um, I was living in at the time, but we were doing a lot of renovation to it. So the wallpaper had been scraped off and there was no carpet on the floor and it was floorboards. And so I got her to do a bit of modelling for me. So there's there's pictures of her in up in a bedroom by the curtains, and again, I suppose you could say they're a little bit provocative for um, in what she's wearing. But again, it was um, trying to put a bit of emotion into some pictures, and they were connected to me, and they were connected to feelings I was having. But I actually got her used to her as a model. And then there's a few on there which were taken in again in the old house, but had an old shower screen. And I put some frosted self-adhesive film that you can get these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just put that up against the doorway and then she was the other side. Okay. I was I was wondering what that was. Okay. 
Yeah. And so then I just photographed from the other side of the glass and got her to do you know, various poses behind behind this frosted glass. And again, th- those were actually my feelings, but obviously I was getting her to pose in various ways so that you know, I could uh, ex- you know, express those in the images. So yeah, those are some of the other photos that I've posted. Oh, beautiful, beautiful images. You know, looking at your work here, both in the books and, and here on the screen as I'm looking at the, the Facebook stuff, uh, there, there, there always seems to be a doubling element in your work. There's the subject and, and its setting. There's the double exposures. There's blurry versus sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's relatively quick to say the layering of technique is intentional here. Are, are you going for, is, is your thematic point a disconnect? Is it ironic? I mean, you can pick, it, pick out almost any, any image and say it's, it's got two thematic lines running through it. So, so things like some of the images have two of me in. In those images, it's it's trying to portray the fact that in my mind there's two of me. There's the person that people see, but there's the person that people don't know and don't see. And so there's always this conflict between the the two people. So that's often you know why you know I, I might. Double, double me in the image, the location and where I am. They're not two separate parts of the story. I think they, they always connect, but I think the location often adds to why I'm posing in a particular way that I am, like you know, using a forest, using you know, somewhere like that, because forests are off are often, you know, thought of as sort of like, oh, don't go for a walk in the forest on your own type thing. They're thought of as, you know, dark places where, you know, things happen. And so, so yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, when, when you're in a forest and, you, you know, you're there on your own, you know, it, it can be dangerous, scary, somewhere where dark things happen. So, so loca- location is quite important. But, you know, location can we, we seek out the locations based on what we want to express. There's this whole movement now called forest bathing, where people are going out to, to you know, enjoy all the regenerative and the bright and, and, and the wonderful aspects of forests as, as well. The text again. On all of your Facebook, your frames Facebook posts, you've got that little bit of text over there as, as well. How much time do you put into writing the poetry? A lot of my images on frames don't have text, uh, not certainly in, in the recent uh, recent uh, images. Um, on my personal Facebook page, I'll often sit and write a bit of text, just sometimes when it's just words that come in your head and you want to put pen to paper. And I think if words come, then then I'll put them to an image. But if, they, if the image is just telling its own story and doesn't need me to put words there, then I won't. But I think when I'm doing the books, because I spend quite a lot of time looking at the images, deciding what images I'm going to put in the book, I think I probably have more time to just sit and think and it's easier than to write something. So, yeah, in in the books, there's, you know, a lot of the images do have words. Yes. 
out, out of all of your images, is, is there one that, that obviously there's the ones that you put on the covers of your books, but is, is there one that you would say, if somebody's completely new to my work, this is where I want you to begin? One of my favorite images is me. Actually, because I work for a construction company, sometimes I get the chance to go into a house which is being stripped empty and it's just it's just bare. And I was lucky enough a year or so ago that we were doing this project and it was an old um, Edwardian house and we stripped it all out. And so there's an image of me and there's three doorways and I'm standing in front of one of the doorways and it was a, a bit of a long exposure. So I have, you know, there's movement in my head. Um, but then in Photoshop, um, I decided I wanted another door, but the door to be on the floor. And it's just an image that I really, really like and found it was really, really successful because I'm standing there and there's all these doorways and I just don't know which doorway is for me. They're all shut and I'm just surrounded by doors. That is remarkable. The folks, I, I recommend this work. You've got to go look. If, you, if you're not already uh, aware of Claire's work, if you're not already a fan, you will be the minute uh, you start checking this stuff out. Claire, I admire this stuff, especially um, self-portraiture is completely foreign uh, to me. And you, you have really created, I think, a body of work here that I have found uh, emotionally compelling and beautiful images. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, too. I've enjoyed talking to everybody, and I hope they'll check out my images on frames. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.